Welcome everyone to today's event at the Forum and the LSE Literary Festival. You're all very welcome and thanks for coming out so early on a Saturday morning instead of staying in your warm and comfy beds. Uh, the Forum is an educational charity. We put on philosophy events throughout the academic year. They're always free to attend and open to everyone. And we're able to do this because of the generosity of our benefactors. Uh, if you'd like to be one of those generous souls, uh, you can find a link to our Just Giving page on our website. And, of course, the other reason we're able to do this is because of the support of the LSE, um, who are absolutely fantastic, and we're incredibly grateful for all the hard work that they do. Uh, just uh, a few uh, quick housekeeping matters. If you wouldn't mind making sure that your phones are on silent, uh, that would be fantastic and greatly appreciated. There is no need to turn them off completely. In fact, if you want to tweet along, there's a hashtag, <laughs> LSE Litfest. Um, if you feel like doing that, that's fine. Um, and uh, there will be a roving microphone for the question session. And uh, if you could just wait for the microphone to find you before you ask your question... That would be fantastic. Okay. Enough for me. Over to the main event. Thanks a million. Thanks, Claire. Good morning. Welcome. Um, I'm Danielle Sands. I'm a fellow at the Forum, and I'm going to be chairing uh, this morning's event. Um, today we are celebrating the launch of To Be Born, um, the new book by renowned, world-renowned philosopher and psychoanalyst uh, Lucy Rigore. Um, Lucy is going to introduce the book to start off with. And then we'll have some brief responses um, by Tanya Strela and Marlon O'Brien. And then um, I think Luce will respond to those. And then there'll be plenty of time at the end for your questions uh, to Luce about the new book. Um, and just to note that she will be available to sign copies after the event. So if you just follow the di directions outside, you'll be able to buy a copy and get it signed. Um, so without any further ado, I'd like to hand over to Luce Rigore. First, I um, would like to give thanks to the Forum of European Philosophy for inviting me. After that, to Tanya Steller, who has organized this meeting with them, and uh, to Tanya and Maron for being respondent uh, today. And above, uh, I uh, thank you for being there uh, Today, I hope you will receive something from this meeting. Thank you for being there. Just, I will uh, present... They said to me in the first hand that I have 20 minutes. Just 20 minutes. After that, I will discuss with them. And hopefully with you. Just, uh, to be born does not correspond to the usual way of approaching the event of birth and that for various reasons. The one who gives birth is the little child, who gives birth to itself. Moreover, it appears as a hero, and the guarantor for human transcendence, more than as a new, newborn begging and weeping for obtaining or care or help. There is no doubt that the newborn as human is unable to care for itself, and as such, it is dependent on adults for its survival. Unfortunately, these adults are too inclined to reduce the little child to its needs, 
without considering the message that it brings to us. Perhaps the amazing enthusiasm that the Christmas feast awake in all the world revealed the part of the meaning of which the newborn is a messenger. In reality, each birth corresponds to the event of incarnation, and it ought to be celebrated as such, and not only on occasion of the Christmas day. Each birth is the advent of breath into the matter of a body, a breath which brings it forth as an autonomous life. If we wait for Christmas so much, and often feel a little disappointed after its celebration, it is probably because we do not understand very well the meaning of the Christmas celebration. We mistake it for a merely religious event, or a mere opportunity to organize a family reunion, with many gifts, so we are not thinking about the meaning of the day. We could leave the Christmas Day as a celebration of the mystery of our own coming into the world as human, that is, of the advent of the birth of a new body, which as human is from the very beginning endowed with transcendence. Heidegger maintained that, I quote, what could be our tendency to overrate humanity we have not yet situated at a high level enough what means to be a human being. Scott from Letter on Humanism. In To Be Born, I venture to take some steps forward towards a better assessment of what is or could be a human being. My way of uh, thinking is always, in all my books, based on experience. As my time uh, of speech is very short today, I will try to explain as, bri as briefly as I can what experience led, uh, led me to right to be born. In reality, five experiences have been mainly determining. First, uh, this of my relation with Nietzsche. Second, this of my cultural belonging to Christian tradition, which has something to do with my relation with Nietzsche. Third, uh, my questioning about what culture, and in particular <coughs> what language, are needed for the appearance of the new human being that both Nietzsche and Christian tradition require. For uh, the experience uh, of the danger and the distress in which we are today as humans. And five, <laughs> uh, the problem we are faced with globalization, multiculturalism, and the necessity of elaborating a world culture. Thus, I return to the first point. As I am the guest of the European Society of Philosophy, I will begin with Nietzsche. As you probably know, Nietzsche is a philosopher really important in my work. But he is not for me only a theme of research. 
an opportunity to write text or to give talk, is first and above all a companion of my life. And it is so much so that in my book, Marine Love, on Nietzsche, I address Nietzsche as a possible masculine companion. The dialogue that I hold with Nietzsche in this book does not amount to comment on the work of the dead, but to an attempt to enter into relation, even fleshly relation, with him as a living being. It is in this way that I experience and even endure the quest of Nietzsche for passing from the old man of the West to what he wrongly called the Superman. An undertaking that, according to me, means finally becoming a man. To hold a dialogue with Nietzsche involved for me a new way of becoming myself a woman, without contenting myself with criticizing our past tradition, as Nietzsche and many people after him unfortunately only do. Hence, the subtitle of To Be Born that, unfortunately, the printer of the book uh, cancelled, and <laughs> which is distancing, determining for the book, the subtitle is Genesis of a New Human Being. That is the intention of the book. This book, To Be Born, is an attempt to conceive differently human beings in order to overcome nihilism in a positive way. After the critical and deconstructive uh, task carried out by Nietzsche, Heidegger, and their followers. To be born suggests a new development of human beings from birth in order to cultivate life as human without resorting to suprasensitive ideals but without giving us, for all that, to any transcendence as it is fashionable today. I consider the newborn as already endowed with transcendental aspiration, transcendental potential, that we fail to recognize by reducing it to its needs because its physical immaturity. To be born continue the work of Nietzsche to overcome nihilism, proposing how to go beyond the old man of the West by becoming a new human being, or more exactly, by finally becoming human beings. Second point. The way that I suggest <coughs> for becoming a new human being can also correspond to a non-nihilistic interpretation of the Christian message. In reality, Nietzsche does not criticize Christianity as such, but the fact that Christian tradition misunderstood the meaning of the advent of Jesus Christ. It is so much so that Nietzsche affirms that it has existed only one Christian and is dead on the cross. But Nietzsche did, as the Christian tradition, did not question enough 
what means becoming incarnate. And it is, according to me, the reason why he remained torn between Dionysus and the crucified. He did not take into consideration enough the importance of breath and of sexuation in order to become a new human being. Third point, to the fact that becoming incarnate results from the coming of an autonomous breath into the matter of a body, which in a way corresponds to the account of the Genesis, except that in the Genesis it is God himself uh, uh, who sent uh, his breath in the matter. In, in my proposal, obviously it is the... Uh, the newborn who gives birth to himself, to itself, when, uh, by breathing by itself. Thus, uh, to the fact that becoming incarnate results from the coming of an autonomous breath into the matter of a body, Christianity adds the importance of the word in the event of incarnation. But what does word means there? I wonder whether its first meaning could be sexuation and more precisely refers to the chromosome I as the first word necessary for a human conception, a thing that could explain the masculine identity of God, or whether its first meaning is the word as language. Perhaps the latter is mistaken for the former in our tradition, and the fact that we mistake word for a word in the masculine only. In To Be Born, I suggest that our sexual belonging as such, be it in the masculine or in the feminine, transcend our somatic belonging. That is, that our sexuation, be it in the masculine or in the feminine, allow us to transcend a mere physical existence. That our sexuation acts as a bridge between our body and our soul or spirit, but also as a bridge between us. A bridge that our tradition and in particular Nietzsche misses. Furthermore, our sexual belonging sent us back to our origin and call us in mind that we are ecstatic, what could one could say transcendent to this origin. <coughs> Indeed, we are one, conceived by two different beings. I am a woman conceived by a man and a woman, and I am forever in exile from the conjunction uh, which gave uh, birth to me. I am abandoned to a solitary destiny from birth, not to say from conception, and only my desire will give to this destiny a positive meaning. Through my desire, I long for uniting with the other being which participate in my origin. 
a long for deliberately assuming my origin, not as a mere repetition. This would amount to falling back into a mere instinct or drive, or to falling into incest. Rather, I then assume my origin as ecstatic with respect to a mere existence. Uniting with the other different from myself by nature, either happen as a mere instinctual repetition, <coughs> at best subject to reproduction, or act as a transcendental assumption of the mystery of my origin. I could say the mystery of my uh, being as human. These elements of transcendence exist from the very beginning in the newborn, but they are ignored by our cultural tradition and our education system. They do not uh, consider that the cultivation of our breathing and of our sexual belonging ought to be a priority in the development of a human as a living being. Instead of respecting, educating, and even bringing up the original potential of the child for transcendence, this potential is underrated and even repressed by our cultural context and education. Even linguist is used as a tool either to appropriate the world or to dominate it with signs parallel to the real and arbitrary with respect to the real. Instead, this sign being of use to express our own truth and serving our own development as human beings. Indeed, differently from a vegetal being, for example from a tree, a human being cannot grow only from its own roots. But the construct roots that our culture imposes on us as a substitution for natural roots to often cut us off from our living potential instead of cultivating it. Then, human beings become a fabricated product which cannot develop according to its own energy, contrary to what characterizes a living being, as Aristotle already maintained. Aristotle distinguished the living of the fabricate, saying that living is living being is the one who is capable of moving, of growing by itself. Uh, it has energy for growing uh, by itself. A fabricated product needs an external energy. And a, uh, our education transforms uh, a living energy in a fabricated product. We are no longer living energy for growing by itself. At best, we become hybrid beings which wander in search of the way to inhabit and develop themselves, as, for example, in the case of Nietzsche himself. Four point. For centuries, human being, especially the man, human being allocated to nature, 
that human being, especially the man and woman who act as man, is wandering outside of itself. It seems that we have reached a critical point today and that such wandering must find an outcome. Either humanity is coming to an end or we discover another way of conceiving what a human being is and how he can develop towards its achievement, towards its blossoming. This corresponds to the main aim of to be born. This aim does not amount to the plan of an ambitious and arrogant demiurge, but to the search for a solution which could ensue a future for humanity. A future in which we do not content ourselves with a mere survival, but a future which entails positive human evolution. Instead of hoping to find it through an additional asset, to be born attempt to clear a path towards the recovery or the discovery of our being as human. Not through a blindly forcing ahead, but through a return to our origin in order to think about it anew and about the manner of developing as humans starting from our real origin. To be born question about what a human being is most originally and irreducibly, and how it is still possible to save it, that is to preserve human being from fading, from being robotized, or from becoming whatever other being because of a loss of individuation due to a lack of living energy and its possible transformation into humanity. I think that apart from or beyond the change that we must introduce into education, the cultivation of the transcendental potential that desire represents and revives in us is what can rescue humanity today. Desire is what carry out the passage to a human belonging. According to me, desire characterizes humanity as such. At least, it is so, on the condition that desire corresponds to an aspiration after sharing or longing for absolute with another living being different from us. Desire cannot really rescue uh, uh, us today if it amounts to reaching an absolute only for ourselves as individuals and as a sort of object or objectivity, an absolute which then must be held out of our reach through suprasensitive ideal in order to keep our longing for transcendence in abeyance. However, such alternative has become problematic after the criticism of nihilism by Nietzsche. Rather, we must endeavor to search for the absolute through a sharing desire with another different from us by nature. Last point, such a quest 
can happen only in an extreme destitution and poverty. And it is thus suitable for us today. Furthermore, it is accessible to everyone at a world scale. The problem is that we reduce everyone who depends on us, beginning with a child, to their needs, without understanding that their first need is to be recognized by us as human, that is at the level of desire, and what desire uh, involves as aspiration for transcendence. Aspiration after transcendence. Acting as we act generally, we let them, this other dependent on us, to a loss of humanity. And yet, it is urgent to take human as such into our care, rather than regressing to the stage of needs. What is more of only material needs? as it is too often the case today. Then, instead of giving or giving again to the other their being, we reduce them to a sort of mechanism which is in need of us to begin or continue functioning as a fabricated product. In this way, we keep alive a global functioning of the world which subjects each of us, child or parents, power or rich, to a wearing out of our living energy in order to remain in good working order. Under the guise of generosity and morality, we solid humanity to its instinction. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll now have a short response from Dr. Tanya Steller. Tanya is Reader in Philosophy at the University of Sussex. Yes, thank you very much to all of you for coming and to the forum for hosting us. And my sincere apologies. It seems that I have had originally given Luz the wrong time and had asked her to speak for 20 minutes when it should have been 30 minutes, but um, she would like to respond to our responses. So the way we are going to give her back some of the time that I apologize for taking, um, we are going to try and doing, do it in this way. To be born is a beautiful book and full of beautiful concepts and formulations. I will give you just an example of one of my favorite bits, of which there are many. In a second step, I will disagree with Luce on a particular point, the idea of the family. Thirdly, I will turn to my favorite topic in the book, language, speech, words. Let me begin by reading some sentences from the beginning of the book, which I like a lot. For me, they offer a wonderful possibility of thinking existentialism or the philosophy of existence anew, but from our being born, not from our having to die. The old existentialist dictum that existence comes before essence has always been difficult to grasp. When Sartre explains it, he incorporates atheism into his explanation, but not all existentialism is atheist. Plus, as Luce Irigaray shows, 
There is simply no need to refer to God or the absence thereof in order for us to understand. And now there's going to be a long quote. There will be several sort of long passages from the book since you don't know the book yet. Quote, We imagine our lot in comparison with animality or divinity, but not as humans, the ones whose destiny is to take charge of their existence from a not appropriable essence. Human being cannot develop from roots as a tree or from an environment as an animal. Human being must take responsibility for existence beyond any continuity with regard to roots and background. Human being exists only by taking on the not-being of a continuum, a break, a void, a nothing. Human must give itself a being with faithfulness to the living being that it is. In a way, it must create its human being through relating to the world and the others, be they plants, animals, or humans, a being in relation which requires us not to be what they are while being able to be in relation to and with what they are, that is, capable of taking on the negative that the difference represents. End of quote. Living with difference, negotiating difference, is who we are as humans. Where we first grow up in the family, our possibilities to become ourselves are limited, according to Luz Irigaray. She writes... The family is determined by concern about satisfying natural needs. Family community is first based on survival and its material requirements. And the other as other does not really exist in the family community. If the being with that procures family can satisfy needs, it does not offer either hospitality or conditions for a culture of our being with as humans. No doubt, a culture of relationships exists within the family itself, but it less aims to make blossom the potential of each of its members than supporting the unity that they compose. These behaviors maintain functioning of the family unit, the role of which is not to promote heroism and transcendental aspirations of one or the other, but to keep the coherence of the whole. The family enclosure does not permit the child to totally appear as it is. It cannot find there both recognition and cultivation suitable for its bodily maturity, especially at a sexual but even at a sexual level. The safety at the level of needs that the family institution provides is offset by a lack of power to be for each member as well as by the reduction of communication and communion between all the members in a unit which implements rules over the relationships, especially the sensitive and affectionate ones. End of quote. That is where I need to disagree. I don't want to give up on the family, although I admit it can often go wrong. Admittedly, lots of the things that happen in families can actually indeed be suffocating. All of Luce's images of breathing, growing, and blossoming work very well here. Family is extremely difficult. But I do not think that family is intrinsically flawed or that it cannot also go well. I do not think the essence of family is problematic. I do not want us to give up on the family but think about how we can be together better because the potential is enormous. Not only do we know each other better than anybody else, 
from the first breath, the first step, the first word, the first kiss, and the first loving announcements, potentially, usually perhaps to mummy. Because those are at the same time what makes it worth it, this extremely unsettling and strange experience of becoming mothers, which turns our body inside out and our world upside down, or so it feels. After nine years of sleep deprivation, I often feel I will literally start seeing the world upside down at any moment now. I'm convinced that we have otherness already in the family, and I think Levinas would agree with me, and I see his echoes in Luce's book. We practice, play, do everything that helps us later negotiate our moods with one another and conceptualize feelings better. What makes it possible to my mind to further the aspirations of the other in the family is love, about which we can learn a lot from Luce in this book. Which leads me to the core, to the most important part of the book for me, at its center, language. <coughs> we are the creatures who have logos, as the ancient philosopher said, for which Luce gives us a beautiful argument. We have logos because we need it. Long quote. Language ought to help us compensating for our lack of continuously taking root in a ground and an atmosphere which are appropriate to us. If we cannot flower as a vegetal being does, has not the word to contribute to the possibility of our becoming present in the present? Must it not grant us a presence here and now, whatever our lack of roots? Is it not the word which ought, at least in part, to compensate for this lack instead of increasing our being exiled from our origin? Indeed, the word is not merely spoken by humans, it is also speaking by itself, and as such, it generates itself and ends in creating a world of its own which does not correspond to that of our natural development. The word which could accompany and favor the latter is still lacking. For example, we have not yet thought about the properties of our speaking which would make it capable of acting as the elements necessary for our physical growth, air, sun, water, earth. We have both overestimated and underestimated the potential of the word. End of quote. That is fascinating. The project of thinking words by way of elements and vice versa is extremely interesting. Luz Irigaray undertakes it in Through Vegetal Being in the chapter could words substitute for the elements? And I believe you will be able to buy that book here today as well. Language is not just words, but as Luce's book reminds us, also laughter, crying, moaning, gesturing, mimicking, and silence. Silence is a very interesting concept for me because of also some online teaching that I did for the Royal College of Midwives. One of the mini lectures is entitled Silence, Please, and it explains how being with a woman in labor can often benefit from silence or communication without words, where possibilities like breathing together as well as massage immediately come to mind. The lecture was inspired by an experience I had during my third birth, a home birth, during which one of the midwives asked me every few minutes, how are you doing? A perfectly benign question, but as I only understood later, I was just not in a good position to re-emerge into the realm of words. 
Plus, it is not easy to come up with a satisfying response in that situation. Silence matters. Breathing together matters. Being with one another matters. And perhaps, just only perhaps, family can eventually still be the place to learn all that. Apologies for the abrupt ending. I could certainly continue reading out my favorite passages, but it is time to enter into the discussion for which Luz has given us manifold new concepts and ideas. Thank you. Just, um, I would like to, I must react to the work uh, uh, of Tanya. Um, uh, firstly, I will react to uh, his uh, discourse on please be indulgent for my English. I am French. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first point, uh, she... Uh, receive my book, if I understood well, as uh, taking place uh, inside existentialism. I think it is not absolutely the case, uh, because I am in search for a new ontology. I, and I am not sure that <laughs> it was uh, uh, objective, it was... Uh, concerned for existentialism. I am in search for a new ontology. And this is said in all the book and also on the cover of the book. First point. I think on this point I, I also will dialogue probably with uh, Mao. Uh, that is the point. It is... Um, I am surprised. Uh, I will return on that. Oh, it is difficult to make uh, to make art a new a new world a new discourse. All the time we are reduced, we are ramenations, pas comme on dit, to uh, what happened in the past. And according to me, if humanity is dying today, it is because we are unable to open to novelty and to thank you, thank you <laughs> I, I will say a few words perhaps I will say in this moment Tanya said that uh, when she was giving, uh, giving birth she asked for silence as I tried to give birth to a new human being at an ontologic level I ask you for being sometimes silent with the past tradition and to uh, be capable of receiving new words with silence so they can grow in yourself if not they are uh, buried immediately buried and sometimes I, I, I have no much time I feel me a little as Antigone as you know it is a uh, character very important in my work. Just already after speculum, I said to an old friend, um, I, am, I am not uh, buried in a cave as Antigone. I am buried under earth in my, uh, by my tradition. I said to my old friend, just I emerge 
they, they buried me anew. <laughs> let me breath. Please, let me breath. And let my word breath, breathe. That, um, I, I, second thing, uh, about the family, I am, I, I am not happy to say that to, uh, to you, uh, but you um, have been a little dishonest. Because first, you caught and you have not indicated the cut when you caught. You have, you have in your profession, uh, we have cut, many cut, and you have not indicated the cut. That, for me, is not absolutely honest. Uh, second point, uh, this discord on family happened in the chapter on being with. In fact, in the book, I follow, I follow the little child, uh, all the stage of uh, its becoming. And uh, the discourse on family happened in uh, being quizzed with a team for, it is a team of existence, but also a team important in uh, a Degarian uh, philosophy, for example. But, and I said, in, uh, uh, commenting on being, being quizzed, I stressed on many points, but above all on two points. Uh, the first that uh, um, for a little child grow uh, in a world um, formed by living beings or grow in a world made up by fabricated product is absolutely not the same, obviously, and I developed that. And the second point, I, I said that the first being quiz happened in the family and the family is not the best place for developing the transcendental potential uh, of uh, each child. Because in the family, we must form a, a, a family unite. And not, uh, and at, at the, on this uh, subject, uh, I, uh, I, I, among others, uh, said, that the sexual potential of uh, the child, that is, its desire, cannot absolutely develop inside the family. But I stress the fact that a little dishonest from the part of uh, Tania, I talk of the patriarchal family, and I contrast with the family in the matrilinear tradition. Thus, the discourse that Tanya caught is my criticism at the patriarchal family. I, I said it was not the same in the time of matrilinear tradition because in patriarchal family, nature, nature is cut from culture. <coughs> Thus, the family is not the place of a culture. In the matrilinear tradition, for example, in, in the character of Antigone, we are in an epoch in which nature and culture has, are not separate uh, from one another. Thus, it is absolutely different. If you, in the, ter the time uh, uh, of the matrilinear uh, tradition, cosmos and logos are the same. 
and Logos are not separate from Cosmos. Thus, my criticism is on patriarchal family. Uh, I think it is important to say that. Uh, thus, also, I would like to, um, to say some words uh, about uh, Levinas, uh, because it is, uh, uh, for finishing on the family, I also uh, remind, call in mind, in this chapter of being with the tragedy of Antigone. The tragedy of Antigone is a passage from matrilinear tradition to patriarchal tradition. Thus, it was honest, Tanya, to say that I might criticize, be criticized as family in the patriarchal tradition, and that I call in mind another sort of family in which culture and nature are together. Because I criticize the fact that, for example, in the patriarchal family, inside the family, we have only nature, and she called that. And on this uh, culture of nature, uh, we, we will impose on the child a culture which is not a culture uh, of nature. And the poor ch child will be schizophrenized, because he has a culture inside the family and the culture at school. It, it is my uh, discourse in this chapter. Uh, thus, uh, 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 a few words on uh, allusion uh, to uh, Levinas. Uh, many times my work is confused with the work of Levinas or they are uh, ab absolutely different. And I have a letter from Levinas himself that I would like to quote or to publish. I will uh, ask the permission for that. When I wrote uh, Ethic of Sexual Difference, I sent a copy to Levinas because I, it, it was the first time I, uh, I wrote a text on Levinas. I myself aspire after a discussion with Levinas, a discussion between a man and a woman. I want that. I ask that from uh, Levinas. And uh, I, I receive a letter saying that I must understand that he cannot agree with my position, that this is absolutely not his position. Alors, I would like... Thus, he refused the dialogue with me. And uh, I would like to ask Levinas, what is for you the other? If you cannot agree with the person uh, who do not share your own position. <laughs> Thank you. I suffer for so much, <laughs> for so much time of all, from all the misunderstandings that sometimes And uh, I must uh, leave the word probably to Maron, but I would like to say that uh, obviously uh, the uh, uh, women's lead um, can um, end uh, in uh, the permission for women 
for uh, expressing their uh, empirical uh, condition in public, that is, to speak about their own giving birth. I agree with that. I also uh, would like uh, to say two things. That uh, I, I am afraid that uh, us uh, women need another culture than this culture. Uh, for uh, it is one of my aim in to be born. As women, oh, we fall back in, into the past and we remain only at an empirical uh, level that patriarchy allowed to us. You can't remain empirical. Please remain anti empirical so I can govern the, the world. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it is so. So we have, and it is my responsibility, uh, to... Uh, to define another culture at the transcendental level. And after that, we can discuss together. Uh, before, we have not uh, transcendent, uh, we are not capable as women to reach a transcendental discourse. We are not partner for men. Hey. And for finishing to the giving birth on uh, and, uh, uh, to which uh, Tanya alluded, I would say that uh, giving birth to an ontological new being is very difficult. <laughs> Thank you. And our final speaker is Mahan O'Brien, who is lecturer in philosophy at the University of Sussex. Thanks, Danielle. I just realised, I think you actually answered one of the questions I had at the end, but anyways. Um, so I, w I won't keep you very long, but just some general remarks about the book. And I think To Be Born epitomises, for me at least anyway, the many and unique qualities of Lucy Regrai's work. Uh, you, you do recognise implicit, sometimes explicit references to the texts and the thinkers that she draws from and engages, but I think she's dragged if you like, what we sometimes call these dead white males, into a living and, and very vibrant conversation. So we are in the presence of someone who can just see things in a, a different way. And for me, I'm sure for countless people everywhere, awakens a genuine intellectual excitement um, and pushes us to think in, in new and unique ways, often forcing us to challenge, in my case, what were probably dogmatically held beliefs and exposing presuppositions for what they were, namely presuppositions, and often held without warrant. So it's, a, it's also a, a nuanced and carefully developed book, and in it, um, should I call you Lucy or Irigaray? What? what do you think? Should I call you Lucy or Irigaray? You're sitting right here, so I'm looking at Irigaray. I said, well, that seems very informal. What do you think? <laughs> should I say Lucy or should I say Irigaray? Please choose. <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah, well. <laughs> if you are not choosing your position, you cannot own the dialogue. You make me reminding uh, Maon 
In uh, 68? 68? I wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me remember, because you are doing a little the same. In 68, the, the woman's leave was, uh, was powerful in France. And uh, really, we are there. We are firm. We, uh, we are together. We are joyful. We are. And what happened? Finally, I become a, a woman. I wait for a man. And at this moment, Derrida, Deleuze, they are all becoming women. <laughs> Be a man. <laughs> if I can be compared to Derrida, I'll be all right. <laughs> so then, Luce explores a series of interlinking notions revolving around the event of the child's birth and, and weaves a really intricate tapestry, looks to combine new conceptions of genealogy, origins, carnality, sexuality, desire, love, difference, wonder. And it's really calling for nothing less than a, a radical overhaul of our understanding of what it means for human beings to be, what it means to be a human being. And apart from the philosophical and intellectual dexterity of the book, something that, well, it, it was my impression, it, it jumped off the page, was you could really feel and, and hear the passion and profound concern for humanity um, reverberating almost in every other line. So there's a plaintive quality to the text um, and a, a really sort of profoundly felt wish to alleviate suffering, I felt, along with an exhortation to celebrate life, uh, to uh, a call to affirm life, that takes its bearings from a kind of a, a new carnal cartography. So again, it's probably fair to say, and it's not any news to anyone, that, that Luce has long been a gadfly in the grey hide of the patriarchal Western tradition, and across a substantial body of work has successfully identified the myopic nature of Western philosophy in particular, and the manner in which it has consistently neutralised and or masculinized many aspects of our thinking and understanding and in this latest book, I think Luce draws and develops on some of those findings and looks to put them in the service of a new vision for humanity, which opens up new horizons for existence and encourages us to infuse our conception of human existence with an appreciation of carnality, the flesh, desire, sensuality, childlike curiosity, and importantly, a willingness to allow and to let, so to invite and accommodate rather than the predominantly assimilative, totalizing tendencies of previous philosophical um, discourse, uh, which sort of look to make existence homogenous or uniform and don't really allow or permit difference. So, again, one could imagine other people reading the book and say, well, look, it's been a long-standing trope in, in feminist discourse, for example, um, a discourse which Lucy did an awful lot to shape, that various aspects of the female or feminine have been suppressed or diminished, including notions of maternal, natality, birth, while other notions pertaining to the corporeal and nature are conflated with the feminine and rejected in favour of a rather cold, austere, dispassionate conception of rationality. And one of the first and most famous characterizations of the philosophical impulse in the Western tradition is articulated by Socrates um, in one of Plato's dialogues, and he describes philosophy as a practising and preparation for death, and thereby this aspiration for the constantly glorified dualistic fantasy of the separation from the weak flesh from the rational mind. So uh, one thought or one kind of cheap shot type objection might be, well, is this, you know, are these old ideas just wearing new clothes? And I think it would be really unfair to characterize 
the book in that way and would do a great disservice to the sort of the novelty of this project. So in re-examining notions of birth, corporali- uh, yeah, corporality, desire and difference, I think Luke is, Luke is trying to engage with thinkers such as Heidegger and Nietzsche, but to see how their vision might be enhanced and developed as a result of that engagement. And the figure of Heidegger in particular, for me at least, was a very interesting one here in that perhaps more than any other thinker he's usually credited with prioritizing the role of death. I don't know why I have that in bold. (laughs) I don't know why I made it like this. But anyways, I have it in big, bold print, death. Um, (laughs) And in what is widely considered one of the most important philosophical texts of the 20th century, which is Being in Time, Now, criticisms of Heidegger's seminal discussion, um, I think, are more or less inevitable then. But I I thought it was important to note that Heidegger's not really interested in the actuality of death at all, but wants to destabilize instead the influence of the metaphysics of presence and to underline the importance of our temporal limits to any sense of what it means for us to be. So in a way, I, I thought as I was reading the book that, well, maybe Heidegger's eminently amenable to an appropriation but which focuses more on our beginning than our end, since it is, an, again, an attempt to look at um, the extraordinary fact of our coming into being from a state of not having being. Uh, what Heidegger, of course, uh, may not have acknowledged is the key role that the carnal union of two loving yet different beings plays in, in this event of uh, giving life. Um, okay, I'm going to skip that. So, I'm going to move... Here. So, um, Luce positively invokes a number of other ideas and discussions in, in To Be Born. Um, one of the things that Heidegger demonstrates a growing concern with um, is the role that technology is playing in, in our lives, and uh, he's eventually going to dub this the technological age. So I'm not, don't worry or panic, I'm not going to delve into the intricacies of, of Heidegger's philosophy of technology, but it is an account that I think Luce draws on. In particular, one of the key notions that she appropriates from the work is this notion of gestell. It's a very famous um, concept in Heidegger's work in technology. It's often translated as in framing um, or positionality. So the, the essence of our modern technology, according to Heidegger, is in framing this positionality or gestell. And what it means by that, again, is a rather complex overview of the unfolding of Western metaphysics as a metaphysics of presence, and it culminates in this age of gestell, um, so that in the current epoch everything is revealed to us, everything is rendered meaningful for us to say, that is to say everything is for us um, sort of under the auspices of Gestell and framing. So it's a metaphysical lens through which we see everything. Um, and he, was, he began to see this, I think, very early in his work, and he's even willing to say as early as 27, when you look around you, you know, um, the wood is a forest of timber, the, the mountain is a quarry of rock. And his abiding hope is, uh, in his work, that um, and it's the only possibility of salvation from the planetary crisis of technologies that we somehow manage to escape from this metaphysical age of enframing um, and that we develop a new sort of metaphysical filtration system that would allow us to see things anew rather than in the increasingly reductive fashion of the technological age. Again, he's a fairly complex and difficult story as to how that might be a possibility. Um, and I think in a way for Heidegger... He stops short. The, the way is never clear, and in some respects, maybe Luce is going further than him here. I think, and takes up this Heideggerian challenge and envisages envisages its possibility through the advent of a new way of being, which she thinks could emerge from thinking about the exemplary 
erotic union of two loving human beings and the act of love which in turn allows for the birth of another. And it's, it really is a, a very novel and intriguing um, suggestion. And for my own part, um, as I was looking through the book and reading it, uh, that was what I wanted to hear more about. Um, how could we usher in or look forward to such a new metaphysical sort of gestalt in the 21st century? Um, Luce alludes to it frequently, but for me it wasn't always clear how would this come about. Um, and Luce further notes in the epilogue to her book that her proposal, that is the possibility of rebuilding the world from a relationship of desire and love between a man and a woman, would probably be met with scepticism. And, and I certainly wouldn't want to appear uh, sceptical about this at all. I'm, I'm a fan. Um, but I am curious. Um, I'm curious to know whether, or if, and this is a question I think you've already answered, uh, whether it's a change that uh, she sees happening at the level of metaphysics. And if so, will this metaphysics arrive on, on the feet of, of this book? I mean, I'm using the feet of the dove image from, from the conclusion of your book. Or how far are we away from that kind of change? Um, will the language needed um, be the language we already have, but negotiated by different kinds of human beings? Or do we need something even more than the, for example, torturous linguistic acrobatics and neologisms of Heidegger? So I'll, I'll leave you with those final questions. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, reflect on the main point on which I can uh, answer. Perhaps uh, you would like to make clear uh, it, it is a way to answer both uh, Tanya and Maon that when I use l love, it is love uh, not agape only, it is love as eros. It is also the reason for which the family cannot, <laughs> cannot be the place in which uh, love uh, can develop for the child. Do you understand? <laughs> Erotism cannot develop, or you, you are doing the apology of incest, or <laughs> you can uh, understand that it is not inside the families that eros can uh, be developed. Just that, uh, as for, for me, I, um, I, I answer uh, also to, uh, to my own, as for me, uh, desire is uh, the place in which we um, we reach a desire for the other as different, naturally different, is the place in which we uh, reach uh, um, transcendence, but uh, uh, transcend uh, a transcendence which is absolutely different from the past uh, relation to transcendence. We can um, reach a transcendence without suprasensitive ideal. We are, uh, um, it is the point perhaps the most important in the book, it is the proposal of a new ontology which uh, does not restore to suprasensitive ideal, but is based on a sensible transcendental. That is the main, perhaps one of the most important points of the book. 
this when I, I, I am talking about erotism, for example, I am talking about eros in absolutely new way. Also a new way with respect to Plato, even if I quote Plato. Because in Plato you have not the, the horizon of a, a transcendental relation between the lover and the beloved. For this transcendental uh, dimension um, appearing, we need to have a relation between two differently natural, differently sexual natural beings. Perhaps it is difficult to understand, it is as, I, I think that as the really important uh, idea of an epoch they are the more simple <laughs> which are the more difficult to understand because they change uh, the way of thinking uh, taking uh, uh, difference into account in, in a really uh, serious uh, manner way change uh, the foundation of our cultural culture uh, and then we do not need uh, supra-sensitive ideal. No, the other as incarnate <coughs> is for me a transcendental sensible. Thus, that is, um, if you uh, ask me uh, if I am only uh, staying at the empirical uh, level. No, no. No. no more... Uh, Negotiate with different kinds. Uh, you change your text. So yeah, because I I knew I was wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I took that out. <laughs> it, it seemed to me uh, that you asked me if I am only developing uh, the possibility of a concrete existence, yeah, no, I took that out or if I am uh, proposing a new. Uh, you say metaphysical, I, I would say a new uh, philosophical uh, foundation. Yeah. I am obviously proposing mm. a new philosophical foundation. Yeah. So the, a foundation that uh, Nietzsche, Heidegger, and all these yeah. consistent thinkers ask for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that is one of uh, uh, my answers. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as I am a woman, I run the risk that they will reduce me to empirical and to pa patience. And another, about the castell, it is uh, really important. I think to me that, uh, as I said in my, uh, in my little talk, uh, from the beginning of the Logos, uh, it is also the reason for which we cannot stay in Logos, uh, because Logos uh, is parallel to our living existence. We need to invent another way of speaking. But uh, I, I, I want to say uh, that from the beginning, and because of Logos, uh, man, humanity, is wandering outside of uh, itself. And... Um, the Gestel, uh, 
the, in English, the device. In framing. Framing or device. Uh, yeah. I, I use also device because I will add, uh, allude to Michel Foucault with device. Uh, uh, just when, um, according to me, Logos is already techne, uh, you will agree mm. probably with me. Thus, the Greek Logos is, it is normal, it is that the Greek Logos and in technology, in uh, our technical year, because the Logos as it was is already techne, mm. and uh, that is, is uh, uh, a point. Thus, my concern when uh, writing uh, to be two, already before, is instead of uh, being dependent on a gospel, on a frame, uh, which is external to uh, ourselves, how can we uh, place the gospel within ourselves? Hmm. Do you understand? Yep. And uh, I think uh, that it is the reason for which I consider our situation as a gestel with in ourselves and can uh, secure a bridge between ourselves and the world. Uh, it is already so because we look at the world. I work a lot on situation of language. <coughs> And it is obvious that uh, girl and boy do not, uh, man and woman do not speak in the same way. We have no time e enough for developing, but you can have a look to my text on, on that. That is already our sexual body as, as act as a frame between the world and ourselves, <coughs> between the other and myself. I try to make this clear and uh, invite uh, us to take charge uh, of that. Why sexuation? Because sexuation uh, is... Um, our, our, our body is not only a, mat a matter. Uh, thanks to our sexuation, the sexuation act, uh, act as a morphology. We um, allow us to unify and take charge of our own body. It acts between body and spirit. And uh, thus, I, I, I place the gospel mm. inside mm. Our, uh, ourselves as a morphology, morphology that allows us to assume our existence. If, you, if we are only a, a mere body, we cannot assume our existence then we resort to parents or to transcendent or sight or, or reach. Assuming our sexuation as a, a frame, an internal frame, a frame that acts before internal and external, allow us to become another human being. Could you uh, understand yeah, and yeah. agree with that? Yeah. Okay, yes, we've only got about 15 minutes left, so now might be a good time to take some questions from the audience. If you want to. 
I imagine that you have many questions. I <laughs> <laughs> am here only for uh, a few minutes. <laughs> After that, I will sign your book if you want. <laughs> yes. So this question and then that one. Yes, this one first. Please, as I am French, uh, may try to make a short question. Okay. I speak very Can you hear me? Eh? Can you hear me? What? <laughs> just a test. We're in trouble. Um, yes, it was just, I wanted you to elaborate on something you said, actually, Mahan, um, just to explain a bit more what you meant um, about this new world order, new ontology, being a connection between two natural beings. Let me, uh, let me Maria, could you translate, please? Are you able to translate? <laughs> Um, well, I had an easy. Like, I had a more, more simple oh, question. Being sure that they understand. <laughs> um, you seem to impress heavily during this talk, which I thought was brilliant, um, and so much to chew over. Um, your womanhood. You know, I am a woman. You said to Mahan. You know, I am different. We speak differently. And I guess I'm asking, what is important for you? What makes you a woman? What qualities? The framework of my body, the morphology of my body, okay. my situation with respect to my origin. It is not the same uh, to be born as the same as myself or to be born uh, of a different from myself. Do you understand? Um, okay. I'll if, try. If I am a, a, a girl... Uh, of which a woman gives birth, I have not give birth, I have not the same relation uh, from the beginning. I am the same as the person who at a certain level gave birth to me because uh, what gives birth to me is a union between, between the two. It is not only my, my mother. There's uh, two uh, important things. The morphology of my body, okay? Mm -hmm. I have not the same uh, body as a man. And if we take this point uh, in con into consideration enough, mm -hmm. uh, we cannot, I cannot, uh, it is also one of my differences with Nevinas, Mm. Livnas affirms that I can substitute for the other. I say no, I cannot mm. substitute uh, for the other. Thus, the, the framework, the morphology of my body, uh, which uh, constitutes a framework that I cannot uh, uh, leap over. Mm. <laughs> it is my framework. I see, I understand And that. The second thing, very important, mm. is the relation with my origin. The, or, uh, it is not the same uh, being born, apparently, uh, uh, by uh, putting uh, by a woman or by the same or a different. And if we are, uh, we are uh, you are a woman, we have not the same relation uh, to origin than a man. You have the origin, apparently, at a certain level, you have the origin in yourself. Do you understand? I do, yes. Um, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm thinking more of perhaps individuals who 
were not who were always women but were not born with the biological framework the morphologies of um, what we per perceive as a woman could you translate Maria c'est une question si on sentit qu'on est une femme mais le corps ne correspond pas à ce sentiment donc c'est une question des de personnes qui si vous alors you have uh, uh, because there are some uh, exceptions <laughs> you have a body of a woman but you do not feel to be a human that is your question not really no it's, it's women really your women who don't have the biological framework as as women so transgender women for instance um, alors, utilisez une périphrase, moi je vais comprendre, j'espère. Oui, euh, la question c'est comment on peut penser, euh, qu'est-ce que vous pensez de cette question d'une personne qui, qui est femme mais qui n'a pas le corps d'une femme, qui est. Qui a, qui ah, you are asking to me the problem of transgender. Oui, oui. Well, I call it a problem, but yeah. Uh, this problem, I, I think that. Um, Whatever the case, uh, obviously I cannot uh, construct a new culture only uh, uh, with exception. But I will answer your uh, question. Uh, what could be your uh, body uh, until now? And uh, you are uh, conceived by a man and a woman. The, the problem of your origin remains the same. Mm. And I would like to add uh, another point important. I have some, uh, some friends uh, 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 who are transgender and they uh, thank me for proposing uh, a way of um, choosing uh, their identity and not being only in the hands of scientists and doctors. It is my answer. Thank you. Okay, should we take the question up there? Thank you very much for your talk and also for your work and for being a feminist for such a long time, which is very you important. You come here. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Perhaps if you come here, you have a chance to, uh, to understand. Okay. <laughs> thank you. So I wanted to thank you for, for your talk and also for your work and for being a feminist for such a long time, which is very important, uh, and also for me. My, my, questions on, my question on, on your talk and on your, your um, idea of the transcendental, uh, coming out of, uh, and maybe it's, it goes, uh, my question goes in the direction we already uh, talked about now. So the, tr the, the idea does that uh, the, your new ontology of being human um, raises from this uh, radical differences of, uh, of a man and a woman, um, which is not my question. You don't have to legitimize why you you uh, prefer to 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 stick on the binary of gender. But my question is rather: How do you deal with the 
with the responsibility that your argument could be used from a right populist uh, wing political nowadays when we have queer families, for example, and that that the the critique that human the ontology of human being is is in in this constellation of women and and men having having kids how do you deal with this responsibility not your concept that's not my question that's another another question but but uh, the political responsibility of that please maria help peut-être je peux je peux aussi faire faire en français alors faites en français vous alors je j'essaie la responsabilité de 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 votre conseil de de l'ontologie d'être humain si c'est la la base d'être d'être né par un homme et une femme c'est ça la transcendance, le, le nouveau être euh, humain. Et comment vous vous confrontez des arguments de la de, de, des populistes de, de la des populistes de la droite Comment vous vous, vous confrontez Quels quel sont vos arguments de de leur dire c'est c'est pas ça que je 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 lui pense. C'est pas ça que je propose de 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 penser à une famille qui est hétérosexuelle, etc. Traditionnelle. C'est c'est vraiment. C est, c est, moi, j'ai l'impression que c'est possible pour la, la droite populiste de prendre votre conseil, votre argument et argumenter dans une une perspective politique qui est très difficile pour des queer families. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> must, must, must I understand in your question that henceforth the, the right is more clever than the, the droite, c'est the right? Yeah. Is more clever than the left? <laughs> well, at the moment. <laughs> it is my question. If they are... Uh, Uh, if, if they are, uh, alors, firstly, I would uh, make clear that I, I am not uh, talking about sexuality until now. Uh, I, I, I am entrusting to, to people their identity with a responsibility. I talk about a sexual identity. With our sexual identity, we can make Uh, make the choice, make or do, make the choice, make. Make, make the choice that you want. I have not, I have not a discourse, a norm, normative discourse on sexuality until now, except that the, fa the fact that to remain in sameness is not the same as to accede, uh, to have access to difference, because it is. For example, if you are a philosopher with respect to Hegel, uh, to, uh, to have access in difference is the possibility of uh, taking on the negative in another uh, manner than Hegel. Uh, but um, I, I, my, the subtitle Genesis of a New Human Being 
is uh, a way of um, post-Nietzschean, post-Christian undertaking. That is to uh, say that transcendence exists from the beginning. We have not to search transcendence. We, we must respect the transcendence uh, that, uh, um, that is in your care from the beginning as human. Uh, that is the point. That is a manner of uh, growing without resorting to suprasensitive ideas. Uh, alors, if the left, if the right is really more capable on understanding that and promoting that, uh, it will become another right. <laughs> um, my discourse is not, uh, I know the, already uh, they improve me. Uh, to have uh, uh, a discourse that the right could appropriate. But please, appropriate this discourse as left. <laughs> <laughs> the main problem of the left today, uh, I work a lot with the uh, Italian Communist Party, the great problem of the left today, also in France, that we have no discourse with not program and you 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 lit, you, you you struggle with the other we destroyed the the uh, the, the desire between people you the left in this moment is in last part scandalous i am shameful for the left alors <laughs> you make uh, you pass the way for the the left do that Try to have uh, in uh, in a good program, a best program, uh, and not only to criticize, not only to destroy the the, uh, the, uh, the adversary. 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 It is shameful. Where are the good program of the left today? Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I'm sorry if you've still got questions for Luz. I'm sure she'll be happy to answer them when she is signing books outside. Um, I'd like to thank you all for coming and ask you to join me once more in thanking us.